it was kind of a shock to do everything you're supposed to be doing in terms of like go to school and follow the rules and be good and all of that and to still fail that was the biggest shock to me and I was like okay so if I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to be doing why am I still failing why do I still wake up every day and not feel content happy fulfilled Welcome to I'm the Villain. Today we have Mena Mohammed. Is that right? Yep. So I literally met her at this holiday party last year. (laughs) (laughs) And she is this basically Egyptian who wanted to be a dentist who is now like wanting to be a writer. So I feel like you really fit this very classic millennial niche. You know what I mean? Sure. (laughs) Maybe we need to start with talking about like your background and Mm -hmm. just like that kind of thing as like a jumping off point, you know? I mean, I'm definitely on the boat of trying to figure out what I'm doing with my life. Yeah. Um, I do technical writing during the day. At night, I love creative writing. So trying to explore that, see what I can do with that. But it's very different from the path I thought I would be on as someone who was doing neuroscience and wanted to do research and was trying to get into that field. But that didn't quite work out, obviously. Is that what you went to school for? Sorry? Is that what you went to school for? Yes, I got a bachelor's degree in neuroscience. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> what made you go into that? Like, what, what were your deciding factors of being a neuroscience major? Um, I mean, I wanted, originally, I wanted to be a dentist. Thank God that didn't work out. Um, <laughs> I always, I picked neuroscience right when I went, um into college because A, it was really interesting to me and B, it would fulfill my prerequisites for dental. And then I think it was the second to last semester of my college career where I was like, hmm, I kind of don't want to be a dentist anymore. And I switched over to the research side of neuroscience, Uh of what I was actually studying. Um, That didn't work out either though. So here I am doing technical writing, still mm-hmm. kind of using my skills, but in a completely different field. Yeah. Did it not work out because you just weren't feeling it? Um, kind of both. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I wasn't feeling it. And also cause I didn't get into a program. Oh, that's real. Yeah. Real as fuck. Um, it's a lot of money to apply and stuff mm-hmm. for all the applications. So I was like, maybe this is a good thing because if I really a PhD I was trying to get into a PhD program and that's a big commitment and it was like if I really wanted it I would have tried again whereas yeah. I didn't and I was like maybe that showed me that I didn't really want it yeah like you didn't get it and you weren't really trying to keep trying like yeah. you weren't really feeling like you yeah exactly so if I wasn't that committed to it maybe it was a good thing that I didn't mm-hmm. get accepted into our program um where'd you go to school George Mason George Fairfax, Mason GMU Virginia. yeah the commuter school <laughs> is that what it's called is that a thing yeah it's like not many people dorm there very much commuter school i feel like people there don't have much school pride uh-huh. <laughs> whereas like if you talk to someone from like tech or uva they're like so big on supporting their sports teams and whatnot yeah yeah i've never heard someone be like yo gmu has like an amazing basketball team yeah exactly or whatever yeah not gonna lie i only been to one basketball game and it was like my last semester of college <laughs> Just so I could say I went. 
So I don't know, like the American dream is pretty amorphous, but maybe uh, we can start with sort of what we perceive the American dream to be. I feel like I've always perceived the American dream, or at least it was taught to me as sort of this idea that um, like within America, there's more opportunity, there's like the land of opportunity and there's more opportunity than anywhere else. Um, And I think that I don't disagree with that. I think that there's a lot more nuance than that though, you know? Yeah, for sure. Would you agree with that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, as someone whose parents come from Egypt, I've been to Egypt. I've lived in Egypt for two years of my life. I've experienced life there. Mm-hmm. It's living in America is definitely a lot easier in some aspects. Mm. What are those aspects? The standards of living are much better, obviously. Like, mm-hmm. like You cannot deny that. The standards of living, just like things like, I don't know, streets being clean, places being livable. Right. Obviously in America, it's not perfect. It's not 100%. But... On average, it is better than what it is back in Egypt. Mm-hmm. So my parents coming here, they definitely had that goal in mind, that whole we're leaving our country to provide our kids with a better education, with better right. opportunities. So in that sense, it's true. But like you said, it's a lot like, There's a lot more to, uh, to it, you know? Exactly. Like, um, and I've, I've always found it interesting how the American dream does seem to like like the audience the demographic for that does seem to be mainly immigrants you know yeah. like as someone that like is born here and been born here um been born here that doesn't make any sense mm-hmm. as someone that's from here um like i feel like th- that idea has to play out differently do you ever see yourself uh living in egypt I get that question a lot, mm-hmm. a lot from family members too, because <laughs> most of my family are back there. Yeah, and I get the question of like, oh, do you would you ever um, consider living here? Um, personally, I don't think I could. Yeah, just because I was born here, lived here the majority of my life. I feel like my life is here, my friends are here, career. Even though I'm s- kind of still don't have one, but trying to figure that out is. <laughs> here um so no i don't really think i could live there maybe like visit for months on little couple months yeah here and there but live there permanently i don't know about that yeah at least not now i'm very not enamored with the idea of like living abroad mm-hmm. i never have been yeah um but i i think i don't like change so <laughs> that's probably why yeah 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 <laughs> Yeah, I had this friend who is from Sri Lanka and mm-hmm. he's really like like on the one hand his family is really Christian and so they have there's like a lot of pressure for him to like get married. Mm-hmm. But at the same time he's like on a visa so he's like I don't know if anyone I marry here would like you know I might have to go back to Sri Lanka and I don't know if anyone I marry here would want to do that right mm-hmm. like not many people unless they themselves are sri lankan are probably going to want to like go to a country that's like significantly like the quality of life is just different yeah you know the climate's very different like it's t- a very different place yeah no i'm, I'm sure even if you, you know met someone from sri lanka like there that's not even a guarantee that they would want to go back to yeah because i'm egyptian too and i couldn't see myself going back there to live right um I mean, I have a lot of Ethiopian friends and I'm wondering if mm-hmm. it's like they I feel like 
from their perspective, it's really like, oh yeah, like, you know, going back to Ethiopia would be really like kind of, I would be like living a better life in the sense of like life is so much like less fast paced and like mm-hmm. there's less pressure and like, you know, people are not constantly trying to like grind and like stress themselves out like in almost every other country, basically like yeah. <laughs> other than America, yeah, you know? And I do think that there's something attractive about that element of it where you're like, yeah, like fuck the rat race, you know? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but I don't know. It's hard. It's like really, I think no matter who you are, just because we're in the society that we're in, I think it's really hard to, I think it's really easy to idolize that, but not to actually do it. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, like like DeAndre was saying, I am the type of person who is afraid of change, or you said you don't like it. I'm, I'm more afraid of it. So it doesn't, like the idea of living in Egypt doesn't seem so impossible. It's just, I don't know if I would be, if I would thrive there. Just because I'm so used to living here, I don't know how I would do in that type of environment. If I would get bored of it, if I would blend well. Because at the end of the day, yeah, I do have <clears throat> I do have Egyptian roots, but to the Egyptians I'm American and to the Americans I'm Egyptian. So it's a very like third culture kid type of being, like, you know, oh like I've heard a lot of people saying like living in the hyphen. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like you're not really one or the other. It's like the thing that is actually most salient is the fact that you like you actually relate more with people who also like doesn't even matter like what the two things are. It's Mm -hmm. just like you relate more to people who are also kind of in the middle of two different cultures. Yeah, exactly. So my my circle basically of friends, they're all from Pakistan. Mm -hmm. I'm Egyptian. So I definitely feel more similar to them than I do other Egyptians. Was it just coincidence that you just like happen to have a lot of Pakistani kids at your school or whatever yeah yeah i just they're my they're my friends from middle school yeah we're just sort of the stumble upon each other it wasn't like oh we were friends because we were we had a different background or something it just it just happened like that i'm curious what you growing up felt like was the expectation for you you know or like what kind of you know you were like okay this isn't kind of what I envisioned myself doing. What contributed to your self-image of like what you would be doing in the future? It's pretty basic. <laughs> what I thought it was, was like, you know, just becoming successful doctor, dentist, engineer, you know, one of those things that your parents can boast about. So I definitely, and it's not like I resented it. I feel like a lot of people will say like their parents were, forcing it on them or they they said they I don't know they they kind of felt like they were doing it for other reasons than them themselves wanting to do it but for me it's something I kind of wanted to do but then I guess when you grow up you realize like what you like and what you don't like looking back now I don't even know why I ever tried to be a dentist really Um, yeah so I do enjoy science I do enjoy chemistry that type of thing but at my core, I've always loved reading and writing. So I guess, yeah, I didn't, it's not like I didn't want to be a dentist. I did want it at one point because that sort of expectation for me to be successful and have a successful career, it's something that I did want myself. So dentistry at that time was something that I, I saw myself doing. I didn't like resent my parents because they were forcing me to be like a doctor, dentist, engineer, lawyer, 
something like that. But um, when I realized that what I truly like is writing, reading, that's my true passion. I, it's thinking back now, it's really surprising to me that I ever wanted to be a dentist. Mm-hmm. Why a dentist? I feel like that's not the thing that like most people would necessarily think of as being like, this is the thing, you know? It's so funny. I feel like so many people do have like different, like this is the, you know, vision of like mm-hmm. a successful career. Like my trumpet teacher in high school was like, yeah, my parents when I was a kid really, really, really wanted me to be a mailman, you wow. know? <laughs> and like that was what they thought was like the most secure job, mm-hmm. you know? Um, Honestly, I don't know. I think it's really random. I don't know why I stuck to dentistry. It's like, I, th- I maybe because I didn't, think didn't see myself being a doctor which is like the basic one or the most basic one I'll say but I don't know it was, it's just really random it was like dentist secure job well it's money. also because like you have friends who are trying to be dentists <laughs> yeah no but that was I've always wanted to be a dentist ever since I was a kid yeah like elementary school I don't know why it was just this thing yeah, I was. It's funny. I was talking to your friend who is studying to be a dentist, and she mm-hmm. was t- and like I thought it was so interesting that she was saying that being a dentist is very much like being an artist. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, wow, I have never thought about that at all. But she's like, yeah, it's like you're paying attention to aesthetic beauty and like trying to judge. Like it's it's a completely subjective thing, like what people are going to find beautiful, right? Yeah, yeah. And like there's some basic principles of like symmetry and like that kind of thing. But, you know, beyond that, there's actually quite a lot of, you know, your own perspective that you put onto it, which I thought was so interesting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, the dentists I work with, it's I definitely see that too. Like you're constantly like paying attention to the shape of the tooth, what the what you think looks good, what the patient thinks looks good, whether it's like color of the tooth that you're making for them or whatever it is, or like the shade of white that you're trying to achieve when whitening someone's teeth. So it's definitely, there's definitely a lot of artistic aspects in that. Yeah. She also told me that this is the, apparently Northern Virginia is the place, I think in the country, that has like the highest density of dentists. Of dentists, Yeah. Right? So I guess, like, this is just, like, maybe the de facto place for you to be like, oh, yeah, of course, like, being a dentist, right? Yeah. Why the fuck can I find a dentist that works with my insurance? <laughs> <laughs> so it seems like we, like, we agree that, um, like, there is a lot of opportunity in America. But, like, what are the more pervasive things about the American dream? Like, is it, do we feel like it's misleading? I don't know. I feel like the American dream is made to make us feel like there's levels and Mm -hmm. that if you're working hard enough you can reach the upper levels but really i feel like there's room for everyone at the top Mm. i don't know i just i don't i don't see why there's there it's it's sort of this pyramid shape and there's like so many people at the bottom and those are like the people that are lazy or whatever the people that are just not working hard enough and then if you work hard enough, you could advance. So does your ideal America have everyone on the exact same level as it relates to class? Not necessarily on the exact same level, but everyone should just have, I guess, basics. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe like just the basics you need to survive. Yeah. And then, you know, people can go up different scales based on how hard they work. But to say that people should be struggling or 
people are struggling because of you know not having enough money or not having food or not having a place to eat that to me is kind of bizarre yeah i do think that the function of our government to me is to like ensure its people's like safety and prosperity and to me like sort of like like ensuring a baseline is like a logical step from there Mm -hmm. you know but i often wonder what how like sort of how that would affect like the market quote unquote you know like would we see like mass inflation i don't know i feel like it's hard to talk about like economics in theory um in an american market because everything is like so tampered with my sister follows all of these like big youtubers and one of them is this guy jeffrey i don't know if you guys have heard of him but he like is basically like started some makeup line and it's this like really flamboyant dude mm-hmm. who just bought himself this like 40 million dollar castle i don't know his mm-hmm. last name yeah he I has like half Definitely pink hair himself. half yeah. whatever yeah yeah and he's like oh i'm so like i'm self-made i had like only however much money in my bank account like five years ago like that kind of thing i feel like there's we're so enamored with stories like that mm-hmm. you know yeah with stories like that it's kind of like like you say, we, we kind of glorify them. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, what are we glorifying? Are we glorifying? Like, why is it that people are struggling so much? Like, that, what's what's where's the glory in that? Shouldn't everyone be, like, guaranteed basic things? Like, I don't know, a place to live in, food to eat? Like, why is it that we glorify things like, oh, the struggle and and having three jobs and working so many hours and... Yeah, people say if you really want something, you'll work for it. But at what point is it, like, okay to make someone work so much and sacrifice so much of their personal health for this so-called, you know, dream or whatever? I think it's, I think partially it has to do with the fact that class is now seen that something that is changeable as uh-huh. opposed to you're just born into the ruling class or you're born into the working class and that's where you're going to be forever and everyone is kind of resigned to that fate uh-huh. you know like i was just watching little women and it, it was very much set in a time in america where you were that was exactly what the mentality was and like the only way to change classes is to marry into a rich family uh-huh. You know, and there was no notion that, oh, I just work hard and like one day I can also be this wealthy person. Like no one was under that kind of conception. Right. But now we have this notion that like, oh, it actually is doable. It's something that is, you know, something that anyone can do. Anyone can just work hard. And like that's I think why we maybe put that priority on working hard is that it's actually seen as like, okay, this is the thing. This is what you have to do if you actually want to change classes where it was just not something that was considered possible before. Mm-hmm. I often wonder if, if that narrative of sort of like upward mobility being like very possible, like was it just created to be a counterbalance like against poor people, you know, because like I feel like you're talking about little women and that's like when we think about the American dream and like manifest destiny, like that's the time period that we think of. But if if that is when, like, sort of that time period, if that's when the Manifest Destiny stuff was really, like, happening and in, in full swing, but they're also, but the people within that time period are like, no, we are stuck in our class, then, like, where did this shit come from, you know? I don't think it was a constructed thing. I think it just happened, <laughs> you know? I think that, like, just various things happened in history that made people, you know, start thinking that. You know, I don't think there was anyone controlling the narrative per se. Mm -hmm. I think that there's so many 
like things like that where people are like oh you know it's like the people in the smoky rooms but Mm -hmm. i personally really don't believe there's that many smoky rooms you know (laughs) i mean personally i don't feel like it's this thing that's oversold because it is not called the american reality (laughs) right (laughs) it is i feel when i hear the american dream i see it as something that is by definition an ideal and not something that it's like a realistic expectation that this is going to happen to even a large percentage of people. Uh-huh. I think it's literally just referring to the notion that the very small percentage of people that do, you know, ha- are, are lucky enough to like have that happen, right? Like those YouTube stars that are like, I came from nothing. That is just something that could happen as opposed to a system where you're literally just like, ah, am I born a king? Like, <laughs> or yeah. am I not, right? Yeah. <laughs> that I think is the element to me that is how I see it. And I think that is actually how it happens in reality. You know, like, I don't think it, I don't think I am not under the impression that it's supposed to happen to all everyone or even a large majority of people. Like it still seems to me like the kind of thing that, you know, if it's working right, it's still only going to apply to like a very, very small number of people. Yeah, for sure. Like you were saying earlier about the rat race, you know, like people are stuck in this rat race trying to like make it to the top or whatever, but yeah, it's you. You're saying it's only gonna happen to a few people, but why is that so? Like, why can't everyone? I don't know. I feel like everyone has something to offer, and everyone can have that be their career, have that be their niche, have that be their thing. But we're just so stuck in the mindset that oh, only a few people can be successful. Well, I think it's because our definition of success is ba- is literally predicated on that ratio of it being a small number of people, mm. like. There's only, I think it's a small number of people because there's only only so many people who can get into the most elite schools because there's only so many slots in those schools. Mm-hmm. There's only, and then once you graduate from those schools, there's only so many people who can like be VPs at a Fortune 500 company, yep. right? Because there's only so many Fortune 500 companies. Mm-hmm. And the only reason, right, like we even care about them being, you know, Fortune 500 companies is we literally just randomly picked like, oh, it's the top 500 companies, right? Yeah. By definition, <laughs> even if you have tons of successful companies, there's only going to be the top 500 ones yeah for sure. right so i think it's literally just predicated on how we define success in the media and in our society is just not based on where is everyone at in aggregate it's just based on who's at the top yeah and there's always going to be some you know small number of people at the top yeah right i guess yeah so i guess it depends a lot on your definition of success i feel like for me that's something that's definitely changed over time because i do think like i do think it's the kind of thing that we are actually all getting better qualities of life and we are you know we are the economy is growing and we are definitely way better off than we were 10 20 years ago mm-hmm. right but no matter what your your expectations shift with reality yeah right? exactly so like my idea of success back when i was trying to be a dentist was i don't know be a dentist have settle down make a couple hundred thousand dollars every year then when i shifted to towards more of like my writing side I was like yeah I'm gonna write and do poetry and be really good at that and make lots of money and stuff but over time I guess I felt like I was kind of freed of that mindset where like oh I have to succeed by making a lot of money and like putting myself out there and all that by just saying like hey no my definition is of success is just being able to be happy every day with what I do and I don't know, I felt like I was kind of, it was kind of a shock to do everything you're supposed to be doing in terms of like go to school and follow the rules and 
be good and all of that and to still fail that was the biggest shock to me and I was like okay so if I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to be doing why am I still failing why do I still wake up every day and not feel content happy fulfilled yeah I think that is sort of the root of the pervasiveness to me is exactly what you just said like you can do everything right mm-hmm. um, and still be bogged down by things that might have like nothing to do with you like a shitty job market or you can like go to school and you know get your education or whatever and then if you have a lot of debt coming out of school or if your family has a lot of debt then that still like drastically affects the way you have to make your decisions or what you can and can't do yeah to me that's like i think that's exactly um sort of the problem with what like the american dream is quote unquote but i think that you made a good point as well like ideals often don't come true (laughs) (laughs) we do there is opportunity here and like the opportunity like to get lucky you know to be a big time youtuber or for like if you to run into a ceo in a grocery store and he like gives you gives you a chance or whatever quote unquote like i guess Mm -hmm. that like those aspects there are more like you have a higher probability of getting lucky in that way or of just like running across something that makes you a decent a decent living okay here's an example there is this guy who went to my high school named cassius clay who was like very eccentric guy who like you know had this very eclectic sense of fashion who like wore turbans and like monocles and stuff like that and one day he was literally just like shopping in a store and um kanye west saw him (laughs) 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 and Kanye West walked up to him and was like, yo, I really like your style. And will you be my personal stylist? (laughs) (laughs) And then he was literally like a sophomore at Yale or something. And he just took a year off to be Kanye West's personal stylist. And it's like, what the fuck? (laughs) Like, (laughs) like, what what do you like? Is that going to happen to you in the middle of like, (laughs) you know, in Yemen? Like, that's just fucking crazy. And it's just random. It's just random. And it's like, that is definitely more likely to happen in America. (laughs) That's a fucking great story. Well, I think Yemen (laughs) would have their own Kanye West. Fair enough. And you might run into like Yemen's Kanye West. Yeah. And Yemen. (laughs) Um, Wow, what an amazing story. So you are currently a technical writer. Yes. um, But you want to be, or but you do creative writing by night. Yeah. Is that like what you want to be? Like you want to be a, someone that does like creative writing as your profession? Yeah, that would be the goal. That's you fuck with fiction or like, like I short do stories? A lot of, I do a lot of poetry. Ah, okay. Yeah. So yeah, that would be the ultimate goal, you know, just to, I don't know, going, I, I do like my job right now. I'm, I'm very grateful for it. Um, but now fuck that. They should be grateful for you. Yeah. <laughs> they, they said. They said. Um but I don't know, just like the idea of going to work every day for the rest of my life just to pay bills and travel only two weeks in a year or whatever, or if I even do travel or not, or whether it's just like staying at home and whatnot. I don't know. It's to me it's not something that I really want to do for the rest of my life. I want to be able to support myself in my own way and just live my life how I want. I also had that disillusion when I, I recently started a new job. And mm-hmm. like in my first couple of weeks, people were like, how's your job? And they're like, they're paying me a lot more money. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it's good. But I, yeah, I exactly what you said. I don't know. Like, is this what I'm going to do forever? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, and I wonder, like, did our parents feel that? 
when they were when they started doing nine to five shit i like did or was like like has that definition of success shifted so much that like we we can't be the first generation to like i feel like there's like this collective just like disillusionment disillusionment with working at nine to five for the rest of our lives yeah like we don't want to do it mm-hmm. but i also think that's because we're at this phase of capitalism where we're at the tail end of like you know prior to i think people having nine to fives people were working in factories right yeah. and that was like you know nine to fives were were the new hip thing that was like you know kind of this is whatever like you know before when everyone's like oh my parents were just working in a factory you're like wow this is so amazing i can like do white collar work you know and that's awesome and i think that like you know everything in history has like a wave and then now no people are not really riding the nine to five wave anymore right? yeah yeah for sure <laughs> I feel like now we're like we're almost to the point where we're gonna start romanticizing like the more like like hard labor jobs again you know like we're gonna be like we're gonna meet someone that like manufactures tires and like yo you manufacture tires for a living like that must be so wild you know (laughs) like you like you work with your hands all day and that's something I wish I had (laughs) I think that's something that's really happening with farming you know which is literally even pre-factory like agrarian society shit like you know there's all these people who are um like successful like either like entertainers or like ceos who then retire and like go have their own farm right like there's some actor who has his little avocado ranch or something john mary does he has a ranch in montana okay and (laughs) and uh kanye west has four ranches in wyoming (laughs) to bring this conversation back around full circle (laughs) you know i definitely feel that i feel like if you, I mean, you don't like meet many farmers in DC, but back where I'm from and when I was in New Orleans, like, I feel like it wasn't that uncommon to meet someone that just grew food for a living. And even back then it was like, yeah, like, well, that must be so wild and cool, you know? But I think that for me, like I sort of like romanticize that because it feels like just more tangible. The work that I do is like, you know, research and shit. So it's like, I think about stuff all day and sometimes I write stuff about that stuff and then like nothing really happens after that. And like sometimes I even miss when I was working as a server because even then everything was like super simple and tangible. Well, what's funny is that when you mentioned dentistry, that's what I, I feel like dentistry is one of those jobs that sounds more tangible and like gratifying in the sense that like, wow, this is like a physical thing that I'm doing. Mm Mm-hmm. You definitely can't take it home with you. (laughs) (laughs) I hope not. Right. Um, But I feel like there's no, it's just a very amorphous thing that I think a lot of people just like to demonize because there is this like, you know, oh, I was sold this thing and like, I didn't get it, you know, but, but, you know, at the end of the day, I do think that we all, we all know what the problems are. Like we all know (laughs) the issues with there's, I don't, I personally can't see any future world or any alternative world where we didn't just define success as whatever small ratio of people were doing the things that were getting the most attention to the top. Like even if we were get, to get everyone to be quote unquote successful, then our definition of success would just shift because there's only so many people that you can put on that pedestal. Honestly, we're in a time when that's becoming way more democratized. Like the, the people that my sister follows on like YouTube and Instagram are people who are just like, not who are are not like you know you know major CEOs or politicians or whatever they're just like cool people with cool YouTube. She follows this Korean woman with seven cats who just like makes 
cat videos wow and she loves it like that's the person that she's conceiving the most right now and i'm just mm-hmm. like yeah yeah <laughs> this is basically the american dream being democratized yeah. right <laughs> if you can just fucking sit in your apartment and make some cat videos and people will love that shit you know what <laughs> what better american dream is there <laughs> Thank you, Mana. Had a great time talking with you. Um, is there anything you want to plug? Any like, <laughs> any, well, any like Instagrams <laughs> or like poetry? Like, what's up? <laughs> I, I do. I haven't. I haven't been posting yet. I was supposed to start, but that didn't happen. But I do have an Instagram page for my poetry. It's just my name, M E N A I, and then Mohammed M O H A M E D. And by the time this is up, we can like tag your Instagram. All right. Um, yeah, thanks so much. Uh, if you like what you heard today or like or have liked what you heard in the past or don't didn't like what you heard today, uh, let us know at I'm the villain pod. Um, that's our Twitter and Instagram handle and our Gmail. Shoot us in a message if you have anything to say to us or Mena. Bye. <laughs> awesome.